Blog Talk Radio. Now, 
I want to get their thoughts on that and, and get their thoughts also on Markel Fultz. We talked about him last week. Didn't know much about him. Out there in Washington winning nine games. He's going to that city now to play with all those big men that they have drafted over the past few years. So get their thoughts on how they think it's going to work or, or things of that nature. Um, so, some news out of the Big Apple, NBA news as well. We'll touch on that. And, and my Houston Rockets may or may not have made a splash. I talk about that. I might be writing about that as the evening progresses later on. Um, and like you mentioned, we, we just finished up the NBA draft. This time last week, we were talking about where the captains were going to go. Now we know where they are. And now we also know about the summer league deal for the forecast that did get drafted. So it's always exciting. It's brought more and more Kentucky to the television when it comes to draft time now that there's so many captains involved. And Unfortunately for your Lakers, they took they took Lonzo you a few shows ago. You hoped that maybe they would take the Air Fox at number two. Um Lonzo Ball went number two. Um the Air Fox went fifth to the Sacramento Kings. And I was kind of feeling bad hoping he wouldn't go to the Kings because outside of that little stretch when they were good, they've always been the Kings that we have known them to be. But the Kings had themselves a pretty good draft. I mean, they, they really surprised me what they did draft night. Yeah. Uh, I think Harry Giles, who they got, was kind of a late pick. You know, people forget how, how highly ranked he was uh, before his knee injuries. And really, when I saw that pick, um, I was thinking – very much of, and I saw, you know, how with draft coming around, they do retrospectives on different drafts. And it kind of reminds me of uh, an Antonio McDice situation or even a Sam Bowie for, uh, for Kentucky fans. Perhaps the knee injuries have kind of limited his, his explosiveness, but you can still be an effective player. You know, you remember Antonio McDice in college at, at Alabama was – was kind of above the rim kind of guy and and was very, very athletic. But he had a very long NBA career kind of remolding himself a little bit. And I think that's what Harry Giles is going to have to do going forward. And if he can become solid, he may not ever be as spectacular as he once was. That's a steal. Uh, so the question remains, and, and we'll, you know, we touched on that earlier with what Philadelphia's game plan is doing is, is – Sacramento's front office finally figuring this out. Are they finally getting to the point where are they earning our trust? And, you know, time will tell. You know, I paid a little attention to Sacramento with, uh, obviously, DeMarcus Cousins and his run there, uh, Scal being there, Willie Cauley-Stein being there, uh, and kind of how they handled Boogie. You know, that doesn't fill me with a lot of warm and fuzzies, uh, but we will see. Uh, you know, every draft, everybody feels good kind of after the draft, and you feel good until that ball gets tipped, you know, in October. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, I think the Kings did a, a really good job on, on loading up uh, with some really talented guys. And I think De'Aaron Fox, from what we have seen, he, he can be that magnetic personality, that uh, that focal point for a franchise. 
it's one thing to get a talented player. It's another thing to get a franchise player. And, and those, I think, are even more rare than uh, even elite players. Uh, so, again, it's one of those things time will tell. But if you're a Sacramento Kings fan, you have to feel pretty good with what the Kings uh, were able to take care of on draft day. Yeah, and what you mentioned, that little stretch with the Marcus. I think the guys, I think it was Mike Malone was the coach, and it looked like they kind of had a little momentum. Cousins gets hurt, and, you know, that throws them into a losing streak. And then they fired Malone while Cousins was hurt. And so, I mean, you never you never know how that may have played out. Maybe if they had turned the corner and were trying to, we'll never know. And now, of course, in the markets in New Orleans. But they got this, uh, the Jaeger guy that was coaching in Memphis out there now. Uh, I mean, you got to keep a coach. That's That's been one of their problems. In addition to all the other things they do wrong, they don't, you know, keep a coach worth any, you know, worth any amount of time. And the ones they had kept weren't good outside of maybe Rick Adams. So, like you said, maybe they can finally – Get their ducks in a row. They'll be tough in the West, but uh, they, they got some pieces. They got some players, and like you mentioned, De'Aaron Fox. I mean, he was everywhere from the time the season ended until the draft. You look up, you know, Bleach Report doing a feature on him, or he's here, he's there. Everybody just kind of was drawn to that personality uh, that he had. You know, as loquacious as he was in his interviews and. Uh, it's just that, you know, it just resonated, you know, and, and he impressed a lot of teams. And so uh, Sacramento's getting a good good guy, good players, and we can see if they can do something with it or, or make the most of his time there to where he'll want to stay for his second contract. And, and let me just say, uh, when it comes to the draft, it, it's becoming, you know, kind of all catch everything, obviously three more drafted in the uh, in the uh, lottery this year, but uh, the style uh, J.C. Penney sponsored both De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk and their look. You and I talked about this last week. Uh, how the draft has kind of changed. It used to be just hey picking names and guys in ill-fitting suits and what have you. And we, uh, but but these guys here the last five. You know, to eight years, it's really become a, a fashion show. And and JC uh, P- JC Penny, excuse me, uh, sponsoring both of those former cats. And then the inside of their jackets, uh, there's an article on the undefeated, kind of that offshoot of uh, ESPN, talking about the 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 lady, the group that's kind of responsible for these fancy liners of the inside of the jackets. And remember, Nerland's really kicked that craze off when he got drafted in 2013 by having his Kentucky jersey sewn on the inside of his jacket. Yeah. Uh, and this year, uh, Fox uh, had uh, breast cancer for his mother. And uh, Malik Monk gave him a, giving a shout-out to his uh, Panto, Arkansas. Yeah, I want to yeah, say, the, uh, uh, the giving the giving a shout, out, yeah, giving a shout out to his folks. So, uh, and I can't stress this enough. Uh, when you look back at, at at Kentucky and and the coaches and the players, we've had great coaches, we've had great players, we've had great teams. 
But since Cal, and I think this is where I kind of, you know, tip my hat, you know, with Cal, Kentucky is cool, man. Kentucky has become the, it, you know, it started with John Wall and his dance, and just Kentucky has become the cool, trend-setting program. And I don't know, you know, obviously you don't get a banner for that, and it, it's just Kentucky's cool, man. It really is. Uh, you know, and, and again, you and I have said this time and time again. I'm going to keep saying it. Cal's bringing in good guys. Cal's bringing in guys that, that you would have over for dinner, that you don't mind your, your son, your daughter looking up to. A lot of good guys. You know, we talk about De'Aaron Fox, who is just, just he, he's magnetic. He, you know, he's drawn to him. He, he, uh, people are drawn to him. And, and, and also with, like, Brandon Knight, and I hate to say it like this, but just well-spoken, just every guy that's come through here, and, again, you might say, might say Daniel Orton doesn't go on that list, but these are, these are role models. These, these, are, these are really, really good guys. And then there was that tweet on, on draft night, you know, Bam Adebayo going to Miami, but Pat Riley talking to John Calipari about how great the Kentucky guys are, what great teammates they make. And I sent that tweet out. I kind of quote tweeted it, and I said, Kentucky great, congratulate Kentucky coach on Kentucky players being great teammates. Man, that is awesome. That is, that is awesome. You know, and you and I are old enough to remember, you know, we kind of heard about uh, Dean Smith in the Carolina way and the Carolina yeah. guys and this, that, and the other. But but we are starting to see, if we haven't already, that there's this Kentucky Brotherhood. You know, there was a tweet, and I can't remember who said it out, what media member, uh, when Bam was talking about his brothers and, and, and seeing his brothers get drafted. And, and this was kind of a derisive comment. You know, how can you become a brother in a year? Look, man. Yeah, this, it, was, uh, it, was, it was John Heyman. It was John Heyman. John Heyman, mostly, yeah. Yeah, MLB for CBS. And I usually don't, you know, I usually don't jump in and stuff like that. You know, I see it and don't see it or whatever. But I, <laughs> I, I respond you, to the truth because, like, you know, leading to the baseball guy to be off base on, you know, <laughs> guys getting drafted and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, he, he even got me riled enough to kind of, who replied to that? So that's crazy. And this is a tired trope. Cal has been here since 2009. Okay, and 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 you can point out, and you can, it's is it fair to say they're together for a year? Yeah, that's that's okay. No wait, but mm-hmm. look at everything that they cram into that year. You mm-hmm. played on a team. I've played on a team, and when you are traveling with the team, you know you're kind of, especially during your season, you're locked in with your guys. Okay, you are practice, you are travel, you are study hall, you are eating, sleeping with these guys, even if it's just for eight or nine months. Yes, they become your brothers. Yes, they do. I didn't play high level anything, but I still think back to my high school days just being on a team. You know, and I may see somebody that I wrestled with years ago and say, hey, you remember that time? Yeah, I remember that time. Look, man. So then, I, you know, I think it was during basketball season. Somebody else, uh, another Twitter personality, something serious. And I went through, and you can see 
tweets from all the former Kentucky guys tweeting at each other, supporting each other. Just read, you know, just the draft day, Devin Booker, you know, tweets out, it doesn't matter, you know, where you're drafted, you know, something like that. And Carl Anthony yeah. Towns said, I had no problem being drafted number one. That is the brother. <laughs> that is what you do. And, and there's just examples yeah. of that. Uh, you know, all the guys giving Jamal Murray shout-outs when he was the Rising Stars MVP. I mean, it gets to the point, it's like, what are you seeing? And not only that, they, they come back. I've said it. I'll say it again. My biggest concern with the one-and-done because of how Kentucky basketball is, how would these guys connect to the fans and to the program? You know, I'm not naive enough to believe that just the Kentucky name gets kids to come. It, it's The world has changed. But look at it. These guys, they come back. They are always representing, whether it's social media, you know, coming back to different events. These guys are, you know, and I tell folks that they say, you know, Cal's way is not working. In my mind, and I don't want to be sacrilegious here, but Anthony Davis is just as much of a wildcat as Jamal Mashburn as Dan Issel. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's not time put in. It's what you do while you're there. It's that quality. You know, another thing came out this week, Rick Bozich that covers uh, – college sports for Fox 41 here in town, used to write for the Courier-Journal. He opined, you know, three first-round draft picks and another non-Final Four season or, or something like that. Uh, you know, is it, is it fair to call this season a disappointment? No! Are you kidding me? Kentucky lost to the eventual national champions by two in the Elite Eight. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Look, it's fair, to, and, I, and I'm on my soapbox a little bit. It's fair to say, should Cal maybe have one more title? Yeah, maybe. My thing is, look at who Kentucky has lost to in the NCAA tournament. The worst team Kentucky lost to, the worst in the NCAA tournament, was in 2016 to IU, the Big Ten champions. That is the worst team they have lost to in the NCAA tournament. Are you kidding me? And, and now we're, we're going to get a summer full of, does Cal's way, does it work? Does, does Cal know what he's doing? Is the Big Blue Nation getting restless? Are, I mean, are you kidding me? And they frame it like we don't make it past the second weekend. There's no Lehigh's on the resume. There's no Mercer's. There's no whoever it is Kansas loses to. The worst team that Kentucky has lost to in the tournament was the Big Ten champion. When you factor in uh, just, I mean, the, the only non-Final Four team was that IU team. Are you, are you kidding me? Yes, Kentucky has had talented players. There's been no doubt about it. But we've also got hardware to back things up. I mean, are you kidding me? I, I just, it gets frustrating because it's like it's Groundhog Day, right? You know what I'm talking yeah. about. When draft mm-hmm. day comes up and, and, and three cats go, it's Groundhog Day. Oh, they're only there for a year. What? Are we still talking about this? 
Are yeah. people frustrated with Cal? What the elite eight? Are you? Are, what are you talking about? And it's just Groundhog Day, and you get to the point where it's like you don't want to respond, but you're like, that is so blatantly dumb. You feel almost compelled to respond, and it's just I, it, it's idiotic to me. So let me pump, pump my brakes and get down off my soapbox a little bit. But it's just it's insane. It's insane. And, and the way the NBA is going to look going forward, Kentucky guys are going to be in the mix. That's the next elevation uh, of where we're headed. We said it before. Are you going to bet against Minnesota now, making noise? Really? You going to yeah. you going to play yeah. Jimmy Butler in the fold? You going to bet against yeah. them? My thing is Washington. The Wizards aren't done, and I think they're probably one key piece away. So really, are you going to bet? Are you going to sell short Minnesota? Are you going to sell what they're doing to Washington? I'm going to be interested to see how this offseason goes for the Pelicans. And, and, and those, mm-hmm. so it, it is way too premature to say Kentucky's just hype, it's just draft and nothing. I'm telling you, and I know the, the Warriors look good, but, man, there's a lot of young Kentucky-bred talent that, uh, uh, that is ready to take over. And one last thing, I know I thought I was done. Another thing that aggravates me is when you see something, oh, you know, Kentucky and their draft picks, and people say, oh, they would have been draft picks anywhere. They would have been top draft picks. Uh, yeah, you could say that for Jason Tatum at Duke. He could have gone anywhere. But, I mean, that is right. so idiotic. What people say is if you are a great high school player, it really doesn't matter where you go. We see that with Markel Fultz. It doesn't matter. You, you don't have to go to Kentucky. It's probably good that you, if you do, but you don't have to go to the Kentuckys and Dukes. You, there are alternate ways. That's true. But come on. I mean, just just come on. So I, I'm done yeah. uh, with that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to hijack the first part of the show. I <laughs> no, apologize. No, Long-time listeners know where I'm coming from. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because, you know, we get to a quick break, but Jay Billis even said it. During the draft, you know, they were trying to say, you know, Kentucky produces so many, you know, a lot of picks and all that. And, and Bill has said something like, you know, they don't produce them, they recruit them. Something to that effect, you know. And <laughs> so that was, that was going along with what you were saying right there. But Kentucky um, <laughs> track record, I mean, it's been speaking for itself. And like you said, you can go to other schools. Yes, there are some cautionary tales, the guys that you thought would have made it and didn't. But, you know, the uh, point was a half of Kyle Six and Lottie Pick. What was the stat? 32 out of 64 have been first rounders or have been Lottie Pick, something like that. It was crazy that it was tweeted out during the draft Thursday night. Yeah, and, and, and that was that. Yeah, it, it, it's it's insane, but people act like, okay, well, there's no championships. I get that. Championships are hard. But look at the Final Fours and Elite Eight. I mean, seriously. I, 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 I'm, I'm done, but it's just – I mean, look at the hardware. It, it is. It, it's, it's, it's ground – because as soon as I see – 
like ESPN tweet out about Kentucky in the draft. And I, I know what the responses are going to be from a lot of folks in my hometown. I just I know it's coming. I know it's mm-hmm. coming. And I even saw some stuff talking about and this. Let me tell you, it, the hootspot, the the audacity. I'm putting in my I'm putting on my Stephen A. Smith. The audacity yeah. of people. <laughs> I saw this. I wanted to retweet it, and I said I can't even do it. Talking about Kentucky at the draft and and something about it was it was it was Cal when he basically stopped the draft to do a Kentucky infomercial. And he's talking, and ESPN tweets it out, and somebody responds with a go card, something in their in their Twitter thing. Well, you know those banners are going to be coming down. The the I mean the unmitigated gall for a Louisville fan to make that comment. I mean I don't even know where to begin dissecting just how are you kidding me with this? Just mind blowing. Mind-blowing. A week after what we reviewed last week to say that, are you kidding me? Man, I, I need to I need to get some chai tea or something to calm down. I wasn't going to get worked <laughs> up, but I worked up, and that's just what happened when I'm watching the draft. We'll take a little quick breath, take us a, a little minute to, to push ourselves away from it. We we try not to take the bait, or maybe that's not the right word, but, you know, sometimes it does. Something some will hook you every now and then and just get under your skin a little bit uh, because it just doesn't make any sense, and that's happened once again. But we'll, we'll continue to talk draft when we get back. We got some of the guys to talk about as well. Our good friend, Tina Cox, will be heading out to Las Vegas. We're shooting to see some of these cats play in the summer league starting up. Uh, in just a few days now, uh, so that'll be exciting, and, um, and more NBA draft stuff to talk about, uh, MLB draft stuff to talk about, and whatever else we talk about. I might throw some music in as well. You never know what we'll do, but we appreciate you listening. Eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three. At Cat Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter. What's up to everybody on Facebook Live? Appreciate y'all watching. And Mr. Michael Tillery, I guess, is also joining us. So shout out to him. And look forward to talking to him in about half an hour uh, to get that Philly vibe like we do and their perspective, him and Mr. Ron Glover, about all things Sixers and Philly and NBA. It's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that as well. This is Cast Talk Wednesday. Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, blogtalkradio.com. Stay right with us. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, welcome back. Cast Talk Wednesday, Amy Hardy, Terry Brown, Bradley Hardy Radio Network, FatherTalkRadio.com, 845-277-9373 is the number to give us a call. At Cast Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter, we went in on that NBA draft, just like you knew we would, because, you know, cats all up and down the lottery, like it has been every year since Cal has been there. Um, uh, and surprisingly, I was I was kind of bracing and wincing and hoping guys wouldn't go certain places. I was kind of hoping <laughs> the end wouldn't up in Sacramento, even though it looks like you know it coming out of it coming out of it better than initially thought. You know, I would have thought maybe they take him and then a bunch of you know just garbage guys after that, which wouldn't surprise anybody. Um, me, I was hoping, you know, you kept hearing a lot of Malik Monk at number eight to the Knicks. I was hoping, like, the Dickens, that he would end up in this. They disappointed that maybe he slid, you know, to Charlotte. But that's a lot more stable situation than New York. You know, uh, <laughs> they have place a little bit more. You got MKG down there. Uh, Kimball Walker. And talk about how Malik and Kendrick can be in the backcourt or even bring um, Malik off the bench as a six-man where he can just come in and kind of be different. I like Jamal Crawford. A lot of possibilities. I was glad he didn't end up in New York. And then we've seen what everything just hit the fan in New York over the past 36 hours. Here's the weird thing about the Knicks. The Knicks are, you know, when you think NBA, you know, you kind of think Lakers, Celtics, you know, and probably the Knicks simply because of the New York uh, connection. But really, when you look at what they have done, just just two titles. I mean, the the Warriors have more now, you know, the, the Pistons yeah. have more, yeah. you know, it's just yeah. – uh, and, it, and it's for a franchise that really hasn't. They don't get me wrong. You know they've been kind of at the front of our consciousness for a, a while. But sometimes you have to step back and say, well, why? You know? <laughs> uh, because it's New York and it's great. 
Well, I mean, I, I mean, th- their last championship was four years before you and I were born, and we're not spring chickens. I mean, that, yeah. that's the. Yeah. That's the that's the thing when when you look at what's keeping them relevant uh, outside of you know kind of Reggie Miller in the '90s losing the Bulls in the '90s, the and I know they made the '94 Finals, '99 Finals, but still, you just it's almost why are we pay this much attention to New York? So it's just dysfunction, and it goes back to New York being New York. They don't have to have a good team to be a profitable marquee franchise. You know, when we talked about Sacramento, you know, their bottom line is affected by not being a very good, having a very good front office. But New York, they can break in the money with their TV deals and from ticket sales and just being in New York because nobody is going to give up their seats to the Garden. Spike Lee is going. You know, has been going for years, and the Knicks have been just terrible. And and the front office with with James Dolan, and it's just wow. And and bringing letting Isaiah Thomas run the front office, and, and then Phil Jackson, who I'm a Phil Jackson fan, but I've never seen him as being a personnel guy. He's too aloof and too kind of above the fray in my mind, to be a good hands-on personnel guy. It, mm-hmm. He just never struck me as that. And, and we can talk about, you know, whether, what, you know, what kind of impact he had on the championships. His job was to coach. His job wasn't to get to groceries. You know, yeah. and we can talk about, you know, he walked into Michael Jordan at the, and Scottie Pippen at the right time, Shaq and Kobe, you know, whatever. But he was not assembling a roster. So I'm not sure what they saw other than, hey, he was on the 70-73 championship teams and he was a very, very good coach. But, but, but coaches and GMs, that's, that's a, those are two different mindsets you have to be in. And I just don't think you can be as involved with the kind of mind games that Phil's famous for as a front office person. You know, you can't send stuff like he was doing with Carmelo Anthony. You can't send that through the media. It just doesn't work the same way. So I'm not surprised if they had to everybody decide to go their separate ways. My thing is I didn't see this lasting as long as it did. Hmm. And his his mind games had mind games in New York. I mean the Carmelo stuff. And he and he trying to trade for Zingas. You know if you keep Melo, this is the guy that's gonna get the torch from Melo and uh, everybody's trying to get one, two punches and one, two, three, four punches as far as acquiring talent to compete now the way the landscape of the league is. And, you know, Porzingis has the makings of a young dirt already, and you're going to trade him, you're going you're gonna to float that out there, how legitimate it was or not, uh, because he missed a meeting at the end of the season. Uh, so it was, well, it was just crazy. From the beginning, he got tickets up and sleeping in the subway, and uh, <laughs> it was just—I mean, it was as as bad as it's been these past few days. Has even been eye-opening. I mean, uh, our buddy Andrew Claudio, who was on two weeks ago, I don't know if you saw some of his tweets about just you know get him out of here. Uh, I know I'm sure it's much the same on that the Knicks podcast that he does, but 
this, I mean, it's finally a, a logical move was made. This doesn't mean they're going to fix anything or be any different, but this had to happen. Uh, right. And, 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 and we talk about it all the time. It's a, it's a, it was a gods-to-go situation. Like, you reach a point where yeah. Phil's not going to change. You know, Phil's in his 70s, and I've dealt with 70-year-olds. and You get to that point, they're just not going to change who they are. He's not – and especially being in New York with the tabloids, he's not going to uh, uh, not send messages through the media. But you, you, you can't do that. You know, the best teams, and I'm talking teams that, uh, like, you don't their their general manager, their 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 front office. You don't know who they are. Who's Golden State's GM? I have no idea. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I, I know Cleveland just fired theirs. And, and even Brooks. during the Lakers show, t- you know, during the Lakers Showtime j- days, it was Jerry. The logo was the GM, but he wasn't involved. He, he wasn't front and center. So I, I just, I just never saw that working uh, yeah. uh, in New York. And I know there was a trade today that you're chomping at the bit to get to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Chris, Chris Paul. Coming to Houston, you know, everybody been talking about the Clippers. You know, will they be broken up? It's been going on for a few years with them. Each year they don't have a deep playoff run. Then the questions come, is the window closing? Is the time to move on? And my optimism is building, I'll say, I'll say that. Um, you get Chris Paul coming into town, um, Hall of Famer to be. Still top point guard in the league. He can take some of the pressure off of James Harden, who did well in D'Antoni's system running the point, moving over to the point last year. But towards the end of the year, especially in the San Antonio series of the last few games, having the ball in his hands for the majority of the game, kind of wore on him that last game, that game six, and he had nothing. Um, so now there's talk that they can kind of ease the pressure off of one another. Um, and you really didn't have to give up a lot. Now, it's, Houston is kind of torn because Patrick Beverly was involved in the trade, and, you know, you want to talk about beloved players. Talk about it at Kentucky all the time, you know, beloved Wildcats who, who you know, got a spot in your heart. You know, Tyler Ewers comes to mind. Um, and that's a generational thing, too. Ray Chapman comes to mind when he was there. Uh, he kind of just – Owned Lexington and the state of Kentucky. Uh, Carl Towns was beloved in his one season in the UK. Um, you can kind of pick them, pick you know, each player that kind of stands out to you. But Patrick Beverly was that guy in Houston um, because he just laid it out on the line every night. Gritty, testy defender. You know, the opposing point guard was going to get it all night for 94 feet. We've seen his best ups with Russell Westbrook. Uh, the year in the playoffs where you're going for a steal, he kind of hyperstended Russell's knee, Russell tells him time out, bad blood ever since. Patrick Beverly's never backed down from Russ ever. They went at it again this past season uh, in the playoffs. So he was that guy. You know, Houston absolutely loved him. He kind of worked his way up, played all around the world, overseas, finally made it, got himself a, a nice situation in Houston. 
But to get a Chris Paul, you got to give something up. And so, Chris, I mean, Beverly was involved there. Sam Decker from Wisconsin, we all will never forget that name as Kentucky fans. Had potential, <laughs> and, you know, in a year or two from now, I could, I could see him kind of developing into that guy that Chandler Parsons was. And Chandler Parsons last year in Houston before he went to Memphis and Dallas and all that, and then, you know, just couldn't play healthy. Chandler Parsons in Houston was a bad boy. And I could see Decker kind of on his way to being that kind of player, athletic wing guy. Uh, so I hate to see Decker go, hate to see Beverly go. Uh, Montrez Harrell, former Cardinal, is also in that deal. Um, and a draft pick for next year. And it's protected, a first-round pick. As long as it's not pick number one, two, three, it's protected pick. So that's what you get to get Chris Paul, which is it's pretty good. You got to give Daryl Morey credit for that. When you look at it realistically, they didn't give up a lot to get a guy like Chris Paul. We talked about it last week. My thing was with chemistry, how's it going to go? How's it going to go? According to all the reports, they're going to read Harden and, and Paul have been determined to play together. That's something they wanted to do. So, obviously, they think it's going to work, or they're going to make it work. So, they've had all these conversations that all of us kind of skeptical fans already wondering anyway. They've already had these conversations. They wanted to work. They were on USA Basketball together. Harden, Paul, Mike Tony was an assistant. So they've all kind of been together as a trio before on a smaller level. It's going to be a bigger role in Houston. So that makes you feel better. And a few weeks ago, I'm, I'm rambling now, but Daryl Morey said it, and, and he's not wanting to say stuff and not do it. He's, you know, when he goes big or goes home, we saw Dwight Howard come into town. We saw him make the move to get James Harden. Now we see him make a move to bring in Chris Paul. Word is he's not done, and he really shouldn't be. Chris Paul alone isn't enough to beat Golden State. I mean, you won 55 games last year, got knocked out in the second round. You still need some more pieces, and like we said, everybody's trying to get pieces, big-time pieces, and if you have enough of a bitch, you know, to make up the difference. The word is they're still trying to get Paul George. They're still trying to get Carmelo Anthony. So we'll see what the rest of Daryl Morey's plan is. And I only, I, you know, I'm a Rockets fan, and I didn't know the GM's name until Morey got here and just kind of did this whole analytics deal and got himself in the news and kind of had some smart matches with Mark Cuban and stuff like that. But I do know his name, and I do have to give him credit. And the optimism is building. It'll sink in and everybody will kind of move on from the fastest of losing Patrick Beverly. But, uh, I mean, that's that's a big-time move because strategy hasn't even hit yet. We hear what Boston has all these picks and all these trades and what they can do. They're trying to get Paul George and all this and that. Chris Paul's already in Houston before free agency, and now Houston can still, look, we already got two bad dudes over here that a lot of players will probably want to play with. Well, and, and here is the the thing as well uh, to keep in mind. Uh, you know, NBA executives, NBA players, 
they they are on social media. They hear things. They've heard people talking about it's just Golden State and Cleveland. You know, that's the way it's yeah. going to be going forward. And they've heard that. And to what Maury said in, in Houston, why not? Go big. I mean, at this point, your fan base, if going out and getting a Chris Paul, making some moves, your, your fan base is going to be enthused by that. Yes, it's going to make you more competitive, but I think by making these moves, you can say, look, we won 55 games. And 55 games, look, is nothing to sneeze at in the NBA. You know, Harden was right there in the MVP race. So, the, the, so what oftentimes we don't see are teams that are maybe a step behind. Like, you know, uh, Houston finished, you know, third in the, in the conference, in the Western Conference this year. A lot of the times those teams won't make a move. They may make a small kind of fixer-upper move, but you don't really see that a lot with teams that are kind of teetering on that. So I give them props for that. Whether or not it pans out, I mean, there's going to be work, obviously. The, you know, you don't win ball games by your, your, your trades and all that. You've got to do it on the court, obviously. But as a Houston fan, I mean, I saw that and I said, well, Vinny's got to be excited because that's a, that's a pretty bold move uh, to bring uh, Chris Paul in. And like you said, if Paul and Harden have had these conversations, uh, that's part of it. You know, that is, you know, the way we saw, and again, people don't like LeBron and Miami and the Heatles and all that kind of stuff, but if you're going to have two alphas, they have to be on the same page, period. Because we have Mm -hmm. seen teams in every sport where it's like on paper, we're a good team, we're adding a great player. Oh, that's a slam dunk. That's a, and it doesn't work out. Yeah. You know, that was my process, my thought process when Kevin Durant with the Golden State. I mean, yeah, it worked out, but man, if it hadn't, if if it if if Cleveland was able to steal that game three, or you know, if they hadn't been able to pull that off, whoa, because we've seen it happen. You've seen it happen in Houston. Just grabbing big names and and good players doesn't win you a championship, or else the yeah. Redskins would have had. Uh, ten more Super Bowl championships. That's just not That's the way right. it works, you That's know. Right. And it hasn't always worked for your team or my team. Both of our squads, adding Dwight Howard, who and yeah. I know we kind of you know rail on him a little bit, was it still it was a serviceable player, but didn't bring the championships that we thought. So it's not just foregone conclusions like people want to believe. There's work that needs to go into it. And. Even before that, you had Houston, you know, you had uh, Scotty Pippen and Charles Barkley teaming up with Elijah They were all on the back end, but that didn't, you know, they got to the conference finals and lost to Utah. Charles Stockton hit the dagger three. Uh, but Barkley and, and Pippen never really just jailed like you would, would hope. Pippen was always mad at Barkley, you know, for not hitting the gym as hard as Pippen would have liked. And, uh, it, it was some tension, tense moments and a, a tense time. So, uh, like you said, and then, I mean, the Redskins, I mean, they are the number one example. I, I remember every year seeing them bringing all these guys and just, you know, hopefully it doesn't work. Hopefully it flops again. Bruce Smith, uh, Deion 
Jeremiah Trotter, the, the big linebacker for the Eagles that was their star linebacker for a while. You know, it just, it just, I mean, on paper, you can do that. On PlayStation 4, you can do it. You know, fantasy football, <laughs> you can do it. But it's just, you know, personalities come into play. <laughs> and that means a lot. <laughs> and, and my thing is, with, with my concern would be, the ball handling, who's going to initiate that offense for uh, for Houston? Because I just know both guys, great guys, but they, they kind of dominate the ball a little bit. That would be my one concern. And I'm not saying it's going to be a deal breaker, but you kind of have to figure that out because you're right. Harden, his usage was, whoa. And you could see it yeah. in the San Antonio series. He had reached his peak. Well, if you can manage his his playmaking minutes, a little bit better uh, and make him a little bit more effective. And also, I mean, my thing is with, with Harden, we haven't really seen him play off the ball enough to, if you move him over to the two guard, you know, he's got a different set of responsibilities. Is he going to be able to do some of the things that he was able to do from different parts of the court? And, and they'll figure it out. I mean, Mike D'Antoni, those guys are making way more money than I am to figure it out, but it, it, it's yeah. going to be fun to see. If nothing else, Golden State is making teams really think outside the box. I mean, we can point to the Kevin Durant signing, but Golden State, a lot of their guys are through the draft or shrewd trades. I mean, you look where uh, Draymond Green was drafted. Mm-hmm. Look at Steph Curry. Look at uh, um, look at Thompson. I mean, I hadn't really heard of Thompson until he got drafted. I was like, okay, that's Michael Thompson's son. So yeah. you've got to be smart. It's not just spending money and bringing guys in. You've got to draft smart. You have got to, you know, San Antonio, if there is a foreign-born player that can hit a 15-foot jump shot, Greg Popovich and and, uh, uh, and the GM there in uh, San Antonio are all over it. You, you've got to be able to do those things. Uh, and, and, and change and be innovative, and I think that's what where we are with Golden State is is people are gearing up to to beat them, uh, and realizing it's going to take a couple of pieces to do that. Mm-hmm. And you know we can say that you know Golden State you know if, you know they are beatable they're this they're that everybody's going to form or or whatever they got a nice core. And you got guys like, you know, KB taking us money to keep that together. You know, you, you don't see signs of complacency yet. So these teams are, and we've said this before, going to say it's not playing down everybody else. Everybody else is going to have to play up to them. And that's why we're seeing all these crazy moves. Some of them don't make sense. Some of them are just teams making moves just to make moves. But then you got teams that are legitimately out there trying to get in an arms race, and, and instead of saying, well, we're just going to wait and take our whoopings from going to state for the next two or three years, you got teams really trying to load up and go at So, uh, and that's, that's what you got to do. You either take your whooping or, or load up and at least go down swinging. You know, that's the only two options. Yeah, and, and you can't just – try to copy Golden State, you've got to look at your players 
and 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 make a move. You know, and I think you know I keep going to Houston because of their big moves today. If you are and let me just say how innovative Mike D'Antoni, Coach of the Year, has been in the NBA. He was one of those first coaches to move from the ISO ball that we saw a lot in the late 90s, early 2000s, and really, you know, the seven seconds or less Suns really be innovative in how to initiate offense and that kind of thing. I, I think you can, you can do that. And I think Houston, with, with the players they have now and pieces remaining – are going to be one of the few teams to be able to match Golden State in kind of a chess match, uh, you know, when they play. So it's going to be interesting. You know, it, it's going to be what does San Antonio do? You know, Lamarcus Aldridge has not really shown, and, and granted, he had the unenviable job of following Tim Duncan at power forward for the Spurs. But what what are they going to do with an older? Parker and, and, and manager, how does how do the Spurs keep doing what they're doing to keep uh, the pieces around uh, Kawhi Leonard to be uh, to be successful? You know, keep in mind, I mean, they had Golden State dead to rights in Game One. You know, yeah. and, 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 <laughs> yeah. and with a healthy Kawhi, they probably win that game, not necessarily win the series, but I think they take a little bit out of Golden State moving forward. So. Uh, love the love the uh, the move so far that we've seen. Uh, and speaking of uh, awards, with the NBA awards, uh, the Rookie of the Year uh, went to Malcolm Brogdon of the Milwaukee Bucks, and I would I would buy Milwaukee Bucks stock right now. Yeah, you know they looked they looked good in the playoffs uh, against uh, Toronto. Uh, obviously didn't win, but you get some young guys, some of that, that taste of the playoffs, that's going to be absolutely fantastic for their development. So congrats to uh, Malcolm Brogdon for that. Uh, the all-defensive team, I had a couple of head-scratching issues with the defensive team. Uh, a couple of things that I'm probably you're probably looking at the same thing I am. Uh, your first team all-defensive team, Draymond Green of Golden State, Rudy Gobert of Utah, Kawhi Leonard of San Antonio, Chris Paul of the Clippers, now of your Rockets, Patrick Beverly, formerly of your Rockets, now of the Clippers. That was your that was your first team. Uh, second team, uh, Tony Allen, who I think is older than we are, Jimmy uh, Green uh, for San Antonio, uh, the Brow. Uh, Andre Roberson in Oklahoma City, and Giannis uh, in Milwaukee. So that's a pretty good team. There's an old mission on there, and I want to know if we're on the same page with who I think deserve to be on at least one of those all-defensive teams. Um, and, and I'm a, I'm gonna say, where's John Wall? I mean, where 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 is I, I think. His his defense and his numbers, I, I think, warranted an all NBA defensive uh, nod. Uh, I, I I would put him ahead of of Tony Allen, again, who's older than we are. But uh, that would be my one head scratcher. Uh, and Avery, Avery Bradley was missing too from that list. There was a lot of fussing about Avery Bradley not making that list also. 
Yeah, somebody voted for Avery or did not vote for Avery Bradley because Booker, Devin Booker lit up the Celtics for 70, and Bradley didn't even play. I mean, come on. You know. Isaiah Thomas got a vote too, didn't he? I think Isaiah Thomas got a vote, which that's just yeah. ridiculous. And, and uh, come on. Come on. Uh, I, I, I don't know. But like, like I said, uh, that would be my one quibble with the all-defensive team. <clears throat> Really, no no real quibbles with the all-rookie team. That, unless somebody's having a transcendent season, in my money, the all-NBA the all NBA rookie team is, is kind of a crapshoot anyway. Uh, oddly enough, and I'm sure we'll cover this, uh, Joel Embiid made it, and I think he only played 15 games, so I'm not sure how that works out. He was the all-rookie <laughs> Uh, that seems a little okay uh, to me, but, you know, whatever. Um, uh, Jamal Murray made the second team. Uh, what I think is a little bit of a surprise is Yogi Ferrell made the second team all-rookie team this year, who I, you know, with his Indiana roots, I was kind of down on a little bit. So, I'm, you know, good for him that he made it. Uh, Tyler Ulis got some votes. Scal got some votes. uh uh, Andrew Harrison got uh, two votes, so I was. And but I thought, you know, if you were able to take in the playoffs, I, I think he, he might have been rated a little bit higher because he made some tremendous plays uh, as Memphis, you know, turned in that gutty performance against San Antonio. Uh, so no real problem with the uh, all rookie team. Absolutely, and we will keep all this conversation going as we have our first guest on the line. Uh, coming from the Philadelphia area, uh, I'm 50-50 guess it's either Michael Tillery or Ron Glover. Uh, Michael Tillery, of course, hosts the Starting Five Live on Rap Station Radio and is written for all of the great basketball magazines that we love to read, Rich Report, Slam, you name it. He's got work there. Um, so we, of course, a friend of the show, honored to have him on uh, in the past, and we've had both of these gentlemen on. And we're glad to have him on again right now on Cast Talk Wednesday. Michael, this is you. Welcome to Cast Talk Wednesday, Benny Hardy and Terry Brown. And we thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Fellas, what's up? How are you doing? I... Hey, we, so appreciate we appreciate you coming on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, saw yeah. the area code pop up. I didn't know if it was yours or Ron, so I was like, I think. And I had the number at one point in time, but I wasn't sure. So I was going to think, assume it was you, and then assume Ron was coming in with a different number. Yeah, that's me. Uh, I used to be a Delaware dude. so But now I'm back in Delaware County, which is uh, Philadelphia. All right. Well, awesome, man. Awesome. I telling uh, TV, man, just uh, all the good stuff you do on the Starting Five Live, uh, all the places that you've written, and, you know, kind of inspiration for us and what we're doing, you know. The guests that you've had on your show, incredible. Uh, listen to some of the past episodes uh, in preparation for you coming on. And um, like, like I said, man, we just, you know, there's a little bit of you in our game. If you ask us if we kind of model our game after you would be on that list of people who we try to mold ourselves of, of what we do on this show based on people we've seen and got to meet and talk to. 
What y'all trying to make a black guy blush? <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it, y'all. You know, we all here to uh, connect the good dots, man. I'm just a just another cog in the chain. That's all. And, and you know, I was I was listening to your episode from last year with Harold Bryan on from ESPN, and y'all were of course it was like a Muhammad Ali tribute show, and you referenced. Uh, talking with, with Chuck D, somebody's older than yourself, um, and, and kind of getting memories from him. And I hate to I hate to bring up age because I got in trouble with, with Bernie Biggerstaff a couple weeks ago talking about age. If you're a little bit older than we are, and you know your your perspective and stuff on the Sixers and things of that nature, you remember it more vividly than we do. So that's you know, coach when we talk about Sixers and NBA stuff tonight, but the parallels there with us kind of getting your perspective just like you got the perspective of others. Like I said, I'm not trying to talk age. Bernie Bigstaff was jumping on me when we had him on, so I'm going to leave the age thing alone. I'm going to leave it alone now. Well, well, listen, you know, uh, um, I understand Bernie's perspective of being a former coach. You know, once you start to see guys you coach uh, in a broadcast booth, you know, that kind of age. <laughs> Tremendously, you know. I'm, and I'm approaching fifty. I'll be fifty next year. I'm cool with that. <laughs> well, man, that's that's it. That's it. And I don't even know what I was saying. Uh, I wasn't coming at him like, like you know, taking a shot or making a joke. But he's like, "Oh, I see you. You gonna go there with it? You gonna go there with it on the age?" So I was like, "Okay." Oh. But I had to put my little defensive back back to the loan and get up off the of age real quick. <laughs> Yeah, I just talked to one of his former players, Chris Webber, just yesterday. Uh, Webb's a friend. You know, shout out to Chris Webber. Just had uh, twins. They're six weeks old. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, watching his whole high school and then college career, he's in a booth. That's what I was referencing when I was talking about Bernie. You know, I talked about yeah. Bernie in the past because, uh, you know, I, I really like talking about that that team that, that took the 72 and 10 Bulls uh, to the brink in three games. Um, yeah. You know, it was it was very, very cool to watch and that young uh, Bulls team with, with, you know, Ben Wallace and Rashid and Weber and Howard and uh, Tracy Murray, uh, Tim Legler, uh, uh, who's the point guard from um, Rob Strickland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a great little team. And when I talked to Bernie about that team, you know, he just looks off in space because he just he loved it so much. Absolutely, absolutely. And and then you know we remember Rod. He went on and had a great career. It was underrated the whole time. And then he was a coach oh, yeah. at Kentucky for Cal. And Bernie mm-hmm. from the same little town in southeast Kentucky where I'm from. My aunts and uncles went to high school with him, so. You know, the, the pride, the level of pride from home for Bernie has never stopped. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, it's something else. Shifting wow. to your, your city and, and Philadelphia, you know, you remember Doc in that era. But being there now and growing up there, what's it like in these past few years watching – what they're trying to do with the process. What is is it? You know, your emotions, your thoughts, the city's thoughts with with what they've seen unfold. 
I mean, you you know me, Vinny. You know I kind of come uh, from another direction than most uh, because of you know being that writer for all you know covering the Sixers extensively uh, for a long time. Um, also being a father and a coach, so there's a little bit of a tempered wisdom when it comes to dealing with this team and their process. You know, I was a big fan of Sam Hinkie. You know, I really do think that he'll go down as one of the most underrated uh, GMs ever because of what he's about to pull off, almost posthumously, if you will. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's great to see this team develop because, um, you know, even with Embiid doing what he did last year, you know, in half the time, you know, his per 48 minutes was amazing, you know, to, to – I almost forgot about Ben Simmons, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Ben Simmons was uh, during summer league when he was making magic like passes. Um, I, to be honest, you know, I wanted Alonzo uh, Ball here. I wanted Alonzo mm-hmm. Ball here bad. I thought that he would have uh, just just factored in so seamlessly uh, with the passing ability of Embiid and Simmons, and given that he has an extraordinary passing ability as well. Um, you know, I understand that Markel folks, uh, you know, won only nine games last year, but there's an access to that being that, you know, a couple of, you know, the recruits left because of the coaching change. So that that, that number is probably skewed. Um, I don't know enough about Markel folks to, to, to analyze him in a way that I would do uh, players that I'm familiar with. Um, obviously, I hope that it works out. I truly do. I mean, they're uh, they're paying less. I think they got like forty nine million in, in contracts, and they they're still like forty nine five twenty under the cap. You know, the Sixers could do a lot. You know, this off season uh, regarding the trade deadline. And I was hoping that they would uh, kind of bring in uh, Chris Paul or even a Carmelo Anthony, being that he is two hours away from. You know his home in New York, um, but you know that doesn't look like it, it's going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I do hope that the Sixers are very judicious and also very smart about what they do here, because historically, uh, this is where this team has floundered uh, in terms of their personnel moves. Given that they have had opportunities to do stuff to really change the culture here. You know, 1983 was a long time ago. You know, when I had Julius Irvin on my show, I had Julius Irvin and Chuck D on the show at the same time. And Julius was telling me uh, that the Sixers had a seven-year plan. Uh, This is year six of that plan. And in year six, Doc was saying that they needed to bring in the top 15 free agent. Um, I'm sticking with Doc, you know, in terms of uh, of that direction um, until further notice. You know, um, there's a lot of buzz here for the first time in a long time. Um, Joel Embiid is a gifted player. I would go out so far as say he's a Hall of Famer now. Um, I know people like to wait for that kind of stuff, but that's not me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that this team will be very successful as long as they bring in uh, that veteran leadership. That's why I was campaigning publicly, very publicly for Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony. You know, Carmelo Anthony, people like to – see him as being a ball hog, you know, uh, and, and stuff like that. 
Um, but I, I, I want to know his, his wisdom. He's my favorite player in the NBA. You know, I've talked to him extensively. You know, he does have a different type of personality than a perception. Um, you know, in, in him, uh, with a young team like this, I know that he would put them under his, uh, his thoughtful wings and uh, take them far. We're just talking with Michael Tillery, host of the Starting Five Live on Rap Station Radio. She had other guests on the line. I believe that is the editor-in-chief of the Starting Five. Also coming in from Philly, that area, Mr. Ron Glover. Ron, welcome to the show. How are you doing this evening, sir? I'm good. How's everybody doing? Good evening, gentlemen. What's up, Mike? What's up? What's up, good brother? I'm good. How's everybody? We're doing good. Thanks for joining us. We are good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me um, on once again. It's always a pleasure to to touch down in the bluegrass state. Uh, hey, that's right. Always a pleasure. Happy to have y'all. Happy to have y'all. Friends of the show, like I was telling our listeners before, so, uh, have both y'all on in the past and enjoyed it. And I always appreciate y'all taking the time. Uh, to be able to do it and have y'all on together. This is the first time we had y'all on at the same time. Um, so I know y'all know each other forever. Did y'all go back to childhood days or when, when did Michael Tilly and Ron Glover first cross paths? Mike goes back. Story? I can tell it. I'll tell the story. I'll tell the story because <laughs> it, came at, it, it came at an important time of my life. I was uh, going through a divorce. My son was two years old. And I had just started writing for Black Sports Network, and Mike was a writer with the same company. And, you know, our philosophies clicked. Uh, we linked up. We started talking on the phone. And, you know, it, it became more than just sports. You know, he would talk to me about certain things to do with my son and just father, just, just fatherly lessons and just advice that I needed in a time like that. And he's always been a go-to person for me. You know, it goes with him and I. It goes beyond sports. It goes yes, beyond writing. It goes beyond all of that. And in that time in my life, that was that, that's who I needed. I needed someone like that. You know, my father passed away when I was 20, so I didn't have that to fall back on. Just needed someone who kind of went through the same things or could relate what I was go- what I was going through. And mm-hmm. you know, the man upstairs gave me um gave me Michael Tillery. And I'm forever Thanks, indebted sir. to him and to the man upstairs and whatever my son and I accomplished in his life, we owe a great deal to uh to Michael Tillery and his family. Thank you, thank uh, you, thank you. That is awesome. That is awesome. Um we had just gotten gotten Mike's Thoughts on on everything in Philly, the, the process, especially you guys living there and seeing different eras and progressions and highs and lows of the Sixers. Just want to get your thoughts on kind of what you've seen these past few years and and uh, what the management has done with acquiring this talent, Ron. Well, for Mike and I, I mean, for me, and I can speak for probably Mike in this situation as well as the team began to make that transition to where they wanted to go through this uh, six-year plan. It seemed like the more they were into it, the more we were cut out of the loop as far as covering the team and things like that. There you and, go. You know, we took it as it came. 
You know, we re- never wrote disrespectfully about the team. We tried to keep everything in equal light and be as objective as we could. So when that happened, we kind of felt like, you know, our loyalty was compromised. Me personally, I could care less about any team in Philadelphia but the Sixers. That's just how I feel. I agree. This team has just always been the the closest to my heart. Um, From Doc to Moses to Iverson to this point. And um, just to see the transformation, I was just willing to deal with it because I knew at some point something was going to give. And I felt like when we didn't get Wiggins, I kind of lost hope. But then we got Simmons. Then B was on the men. You know, Okafor was, was okay, but he could probably – Still work, still work out with the team, and and now, and now this, with the addition of Sarge, and it's like you know what, it's time to kick ass, and nobody come, not it won't be it won't be too long before nobody's laughing anymore, and, and I just feel mm-hmm. that. Hey, TV, jump in any time. You know I. You know, I go question crazy, so jump in any time, TB. No, I'm just good soaking up all this information, man. I'm trusting the process on this show today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. You know, well, I, to me, I the process is finished. It's time for progress. Yeah, yeah let me say something. Let me say something. I ain't cool with the Fed's moniker, man. They got to change that. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool with that. I, I ain't cool with that either. Yeah, they got to change that. I come up with something else. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, but don't even don't no, even come we, with a moniker. Yeah, it, it was don't crazy. even come with a moniker. At, at, a time, at, there was a time where Ron and I both were covering sixes at the same time, and um, you know we got to see Andrew Tony, you know, come back that day. Ron kind of predicted it; it was going to be that night, and it was. Um, it, that was probably our last great time or great memory with this team. You know, they took so long to bring Andrew Tony back. You know, all the stuff that happened with Wilts, all the stuff that happened with Moses. Uh, Moses' number needs to be in the Raptors like ASAP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first time my friend saw me openly weak was the day Moses died. Yeah. We were both sitting and watching Sports Center, and the day and when it came over, it's breaking news. I just broke. I just I had lost a friend of mine earlier that year, tragically, and like to lose Moses in a shocking way like that. He's my all-time favorite player, mm-hmm. and for him to go like that, it just took something out of me. I actually had the, ch- the opportunity to interview him. It was the only chance. It was the only person I interviewed that I was ever really nervous about. Mm-hmm. It was something to interview Moses because it was like this was the piece. This was the piece that we needed. We got him, and if Harold Katz ever did anything right, it was that. And if Harold Katz ever did anything wrong, it was trading him. And Moses always said, "If you're going to trade me, don't trade me to the east. Don't trade me in the east." 
And what did he do that first game back? <laughs> he put, up, he put up 50. Yeah, he put up 50 on us. You know? 86 is out. Yeah, Burke, he put he up 48 to triple double. You know, so, so part of us. Yeah, part of us. Milwaukee, right? Bit. Who? Uh, no, it was Washington. Atlanta. Moses. Okay. Yeah, he went to Washington. Got traded to Washington. Yeah. And I still have. Same thing when Byers died. Yeah. That whole and day was just have. something in itself. Because I heard Moses got traded, and then, you know, not too long after that, you hear Slim Byers dies. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. trade Moses and Darden. And then you hear about yeah. Lynn Byers passing away. And yeah. It's like the whole day is just like surreal. Yeah. And I'm like, in the, what, eighth, ninth grade. And they're like, yeah. this mm-hmm. can't be happening. Yeah. I still and the only have, time I really uh, saw Lynn Byers play was in that tournament game against Villanova on their way to the national championship. They beat Maryland and Lynn Bias. That was Lynn yeah. last collegiate game against Villanova. Yeah. Or they yeah. went to the national championship in 85. So I was 13 yep. years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is- I, still, I, I still have an interview uh, with uh, uh, Dream Elijahwan. Uh, he called me from Nigeria and gave me a great interview about Moses. I'm kind of like keeping it in the safety deposit box, you know, and, and dropping it. At an optimum time, um, I can't wait for the fans to to read that. It's basically going to be a first person account of how he affected, uh, how Moses affected him down in Houston, and was able to um, make him into uh, a much better player than he was even in college. You know, he owes all of that uh, to Moses Malone, and he's very public in acknowledging that. See, Terry, I'm I'm just going to read from the list. Michael talked about the interview with, with, a, with my guy as a Rockets fan, Hakeem Olajuwon, uh, Dr. J, Chris Weber. We step out into music. Roy Ayers has been on the show with him. Chuck D, Step Back to Sports, Bamani Jones, Jamel Hill. Uh, the guests, I'm telling you, TV, and I've listened to some of these shows, man, and, and that's why I was saying what I said when you first came on, Mike. You know, I'm telling you, Terry, it's unreal. I mean, just the who's who, anybody who's anybody, might be telling you this interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what we, we want to do, because if you look at sports right now, there is a monopoly called ESPN. And, you know, you might see a 22-year-old intern interview someone like Kobe Bryant. You know, me and Ron have been at this for so long that we give a different historical perspective when we interview people because it's really it's, – it's, it's not about, you know, editing an interview. We like to make sure that the fans get an edited account of who we're interviewing so they can have their history intact when they speak at the water cooler. You know, I don't like my fans to speak from an a, a unfactual matter when they are privy to – Interviews that we get. Ron has been on my show many times. You know, he's never been a guest. You know, he's probably been my longest co-host uh, with Hugh Douglas and D.K. Wilson. You know, but I'm I'm very uh, happy uh, to have my brother on the show with me, so we can uh, kind of like shape and mold uh, the narrative in a true way that is not uh, marketed strictly through the mainstream. 
mean, it just blows my mind. I'm like, I mean, I've, I've listened to the Roy Air show. I mean, I'm, I'm just like, man, he's talking to Roy Air. And everybody knows the songs that we grew up. The songs our moms and dads played. And, you know, everybody loves the sunshine. Searching. I mean, this is the, the king of vibes, and y'all are talking to him. And I'm listening to y'all talk to him. So I feel kind of, I mean, it's not like I know him. I kind of know him because I don't talk. I'm like, I know guys who know him. So that's, I mean, that's just still, it's just my boy. Well, I'm a, I'm a big music guy. Ron is as well. Um, the reason why I wanted to have him on because I've always hearing that he is the uh, arguably the most sampled guy in hip hop, and it, it's real funny how I acquired the interview. I just went to his website and called the number on the website. He picks up the phone. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm like, uh, uh, this really he was like, yeah, you know, I mean, he, he was a humble guy, you know, he really doesn't care about all the royalties that he probably uh, could have accrued over the years, um, but to uh, to talk to Roy Ayers and him telling me this, this story about Lionel Hampton you know, giving him yeah. uh, at five years old and how that life at five years old. Uh, and, and we know now how subsequently uh, that has uh, helped music. You know, he he was an earthquake to music and a jazzy and smooth way. And I, I think the beauty of the whole uh, starting five live with with Mike and, and what he's brought into that is, you know, I, I'm more. Of, <clears throat> An expressive guy on paper. I love to write. I love to talk sports. I love to write. I love to put all that together. Whereas with Mike, Mike has that whole cornucopia of everything, and he just can talk about it. And certain people say, you know, I'm, I'm talking this way. They say, well, you know, it doesn't seem like a good mix or whatever. And I'm like, Mike's in this perfect element because. <laughs> For me, it's like I'm just sitting back, and I'm just watching. It's like I'm watching my big brother just do his thing. When he talks to Chuck D, and he puts me on the phone, and I'm talking to Chuck, it's like I'm talking to my big brother and my pop, because Chuck's got that kind of voice. Cause, you know, Chuck's everybody's dad's voice. Chuck D's voice is everybody's father's voice in the head. And it's like, you know... And it's like me just sitting back and just watching my big brother do his thing, you know. And, you know, you never try. You want to try and outdo your big brother, but you know you can't. And certain things, so you, so you carve your own niche. And, and that's the way how I feel about Mike because I know that at the end of the day, I'm watching my big brother do his thing. And I'm going to do my thing, and we're going to meet in the middle. And it's all going to work. Because we're going to get the same point across. And that's the whole thing. We're on the same. We've been on the same. We're on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. I can count the number of times on one hand we've actually disagreed to the point where he couldn't sway me or I couldn't sway, sway him. It's never been something that we've been definitively disagreeing at, at, at a disagreement on. 
Nope. And the beauty of it all is that we always have one another back, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just the beauty in the whole thing. And people always ask, well, you know, have you outgrown the starting five? Have you done this? I'll never outgrow the starting five. Mm-hmm. Starting five will always be, always be attached to my name and vice versa. I don't care mm-hmm. where, I, where I go, what I do, none of that. Star Five is always attached to my name and vice versa. And we need and to that, that's just where I'm at. Yeah, we need to unfill. We don't need any production. We don't need any uh, production based on sponsorship or, you know, not being able to pull Superman's cape is one uh, outlet uh, executive has told me regarding the NFL. Um, because of all these partnerships that you know different outlets have with the leagues, you know, um, you know, the starting five still and will always be the first, you know, uh, uh, blog to be by the NFL and the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, Ron, Ron and I were so many games over those years, and I guess these teams, you know, want to give fans a fantasy, so they've kind of restricted our access. We're going in with all of that six basketball knowledge going back to the six, and we're trying to portray that and give that to the fans. So you know it's very interesting now in this social media age where you know people think that they can just basically come off the street and uh, that they're more knowledgeable than us. You know, I always, uh, always you know laugh at these debates on social media as some comparisons. You know, sports isn't about comparison. Sports is about the actual performance and how the performance has developed uh, 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 throughout history. How uh, makes a kid want to be something that necessarily has nothing to do with sports. You know, it's all about confidence. You know, once you take away the confidence, you start to be very critical of the athlete without an objective opinion on that athlete. That's when people get in trouble. And I think that's a problem because of the money that athletes are making. You know, I don't care what the athletes are making. That's their market, just like it's our market, you know, doing what we do every day. You know, so, uh, you know, to to give the fans what they need instead of what they want, I think it's going to serve as we, uh, uh, as our career arc uh, uh, continues. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, that's one thing I didn't know. I didn't know that was supposed to be credentialed by both. That is a a unique distinction, and I know y'all are proud of it. That is that's unbelievable. Yep. And we we will continue to do this. You know, um, the come to a format that's going to uh, uh, both make the starting five and also the starting five live shine. And um, stop Chuck D. You know, I'm very appreciative to Chuck um, for for putting me on his radio show uh, back in 2007 when he was with Air America. I was so nervous that I think I drank the whole bottle of ENJ. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm 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 glad that that happened. <laughs> to co-host the show with uh, him and uh, Dave Zirin at times. You know, it was a Sunday night show. It was I think it aired from 11 to 1 o'clock, you know, but uh, it felt like that I was waking for a 7 a.m. Uh, job interview. Yeah, absolutely. 
Let me switch back to the Sixers and get y'all thoughts. Mike, you said you were a fan of the GM and everything he has done positively. Are you are you guys also fans of Brett Brown, the coach who has been there through all of this these stages as well? I am. I am a fan of Brett Brown, and uh, let me tell you why. Uh, during the playoffs when they were uh, playing Chicago, uh, when the Sixers were being smart about who, in the, who they let in the building, um, uh, I got a chance to speak to Brett Brown at length, and I was immediately uh, impressed with him. I was impressed with him because uh, during our talks, he was making sure to uh, be very complimentary of his young players. Um, we all know where Brett Brown comes from, you know, that pop of his tree. Um, and, and he is, to me, an ultimate professional here. Here Now, obviously, mm-hmm. everyone has their, their good and bad, you know. I, I just – and Ron and I have talked about this many times. We were just hoping to see – make sure that Brett Brown was here to see this time and this process. Mm-hmm. And, and it would have been a big mistake for them to uh, do it as – and fire him, you know, like me and Ron sat around with fire Maurice Cheeks. I mean, that was a hurt piece for us. It was it was a hurt piece because you know we grew up watching Maurice this team, um, and to see him go uh, when that team was really on a cusp of taking things in another higher direction was very disappointing. Uh, Brett Brown uh, gets my vote. You know, I vouch for him. Uh, you know, and I hope that he continues to grow. Uh, along with uh, the young young fellas on the team. So, you know, I'm I'm totally on board, on board with Mike. Any man who's asked to come in and openly be asked to endure what he's endured mm-hmm. has to see this to the end. You have to see this through. Brett Brown has to see this through to the end. He needs to be afforded that time. And if it doesn't work in two or three years, okay. But he needs to be given that opportunity. And like Mike said, the word, the operative word is professional. He's never complained to management. He's never complained about a player. All he's done is endorse the most friends of players to the fullest. And he's given guys opportunities in this league who otherwise wouldn't have been given opportunities. Yeah. And for that, he deserves he deserves everything that's coming to him. He deserves the opportunity to see this through. And if not, then something's wrong really with this organization. But I've got faith in this organization. I've got faith in the Colangelos. And I think they're going to see this through with Brett Brown. And I just hope that it turns out – everything that he wants it to be. What is it like for you guys? And once again, you know, like in like the same way my mind was blown with, with Roy Ayers and there you are you know, talking to him on the show. Your interactions with, with Dr. J through the years, after growing up and watching him play in your city, already a legend when he came over from the net, bringing the title in 83, what is it like interacting with him, not as, you know, a kid in all, but now grown up, you're grown up, interviews, press conferences, 
y'all see him on the regular and, you know, talk to him on the regular, have him on the show, all these interactions with Dr. J, what is, what is it like for you guys to be able to know him on that level? Well, it, it started it started with me um, with doing a, a story on him, doing a story about, uh, called The Third Evolution. You know, I, I like to say that the evolution started with Elgin Beller and Connie Hawkins, Dr. J., and Kobe Bryant. And I think that Andrew Wiggins could be that next guy. You know, it remains to be seen if he can ascend to that type of height. Um, my, my most my interaction with him was, it was on my mom's birthday back in 2007, I think it was, and the Lakers were here. And, you know, as I said earlier, you know, I like to see Doc as uh, Kobe's basketball grandfather. Uh, you know, his, his his dad wore uh, 23. Um, it, it seemed like it's just a seamless thing to connect the dots uh, going from Elgin to, to to Kobe. And, you know, to to tell to tell him my story and my uh, opinion on the evolution and for him to co-sign it was probably the, the first big thing that really happened to me in, in terms of sports journalism in terms of being validated. Now, um, then it was the, the finals, game one in the finals, the Paul Pierce wheelchair game, where I was interviewing uh, Bob Ryan up in the rafters and getting a great interview, him talking about Doc's seat up in the chairs in Boston Garden. Uh, it's a red six up there from him being at the University of Massachusetts for two years. And hearing the fans in Boston cheer for Doc before the game. Everywhere, Doc was like wow. a rock star in, in, in this place. And it was crazy because we grew up hating the Boston Garden. <laughs> we just hated it. I hated when they were panning into the crowd, you know, and all this stuff. So I was like, Mr. Ryan, I'm sorry, but I have to be like Superman and fly down uh, to the court. And on the court, Kobe and Doc were talking. And the irony of it was uh, Andrew Bynum was sitting under the basket in, in street clothes, pissed off because he couldn't play in the finals. And we, we all know what happened with him. I mean, he's just been, uh, it's just been a sad story regarding Andrew Bynum. But, you know, to be able to talk to Doc then was the first part of it, you know. And he gave me a 20-minute interview when uh, John Black, who was no longer with the Lakers, was trying to get me off the floor you know, talking to Doc. And I was like, look, I'm not I'm not running away from this interview. Sorry. You're going to have to kick me out of here. You know, so the interview with, with him and Chuck was a, basically a three-year thing. It took me three years to get both of them on the phone at the same time, either going back and forth with, uh, with Doc's publicist and talking to Chuck himself. Um, so when – this actually happened, you know, I was so excited, you know, uh, you know, I, I told Ron about this because he was there the whole time, you know, and to, to see Julius Irving's number on my telephone, I wanted to scream like the, the, the littlest, uh, 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 new kids on a block baby girl fan that there was, <laughs> you know, and it, it was, a it, it was funny because, 
both Doc and Chuck called me and talked to me for an hour and a half before the interview started. So I'm basically like this little kid, you know, uh, getting ready for Christmas. And the the interview was was so extensive, it was a three-hour interview, and I, I, I just sat back and let them talk. You know, there's a lot of things I learned about Chuck and Doc, and, and, and being they were both from Roosevelt, um, Long Island, which was incredible to me. And Chuck basically said that if there wasn't no Dr. J, there would be no Chuck D, because Doc would come back and talk to uh, the kids in, in the Roosevelt school system, and after that, he would go out and dunk, in the, dunk from the foul line for these kids. You know, so his voice com- combined with his father's voice and also Marvin Albert's voice made Chuck D the orator, you know, the speaker, you know, obviously the hard rhyming lyricist that he's become uh, with Public Enemy, legendary figure, icon, you know. Um, you know, it, it's, it makes me a better person to be able to call both of these uh, luminaries who, who have shaped my life both musically and athletically, and it, 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 I still feel in awe. You know, those are the only two dudes that I feel in You know, Ron talked about Moses. Those are the only two dudes that even when I still talk to, I'm still in shock. You know, Chuck calls me 4 o'clock in the morning sometimes because he might be in Prague, you know, doing a show with Prophet the <laughs> Rage, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't care how sleep I am. You know how hungover, how drunk I am from being out in the club or whatever. If I jump up and listen to Chuck D, <laughs> you know, whenever I get the shot. So, and it's it, it's funny because he calls me Ms. Ike sometimes, and a lot of time he calls me Mizzo or uh, Mike T. You know, he has all these monikers for me. Um, he spoke my name on our senior hall show and a, a bunch of interviews oh that I didn't even know Man. about. You know. And it was it's incredible just to have uh, someone like that in your corner. And for me to reach back, as he said to me, he said, Mike, I reach back to you. You reach back to whoever, and you help them out. And, you know, whether or not that, that Ron and I become these ultra-famous uh, writers, radio show hosts, or whatever you want to say, reporters, you know, I am happy but the fact that I have had influences on my show and uh, also being able to interview them for for the starting five, and that has helped me become, I feel, an elite journalist in this field. And we both were seen as underground cats, but I would put our knowledge, our respect, you know, our experience up against any writer in America and I definitely will put my phone contacts up against anybody in America. I don't care who they are, right. who they write for, or whatever. That's what we're here to do, and we're here to do it in a positive way. I don't care about the fame. You know, I could have broke many stories over the years from talking to so many people because a lot of these things happen a lot of times way before they're publicly announced. You know, so... Mm. The hard thing is keeping that under wraps. But I'm very appreciative to have, you know, that inside presence, and hopefully it will impact um, the kids that really need to, to hear it, whether or not they are five years old or 55. 
That is amazing. That is amazing. And Ron, man, and of course we want our listeners both you know, check you out on Twitter at Michael Tillery at Ron Glover the second. Ron, in your profile, it says it, so I got to ask you about it. It says the Nerf Dorm Slam Dunk Camp from 1991. You let, what was the winning dunk? What was, give us sin on the contest with your go-to dunk and Nerf. I got to know. Man. What was the, it was something out of Sean Kemp's repertoire. Oh. I, I, I took uh, it to the point where I was even walking pigeon toes <laughs> and trying to emulate every dunk he had from that contest in that particular year. You got to get the full embodiment. So you, you have to walk pigeon toes. You just you have to. Is he the, is he the best dunker ever to win one? Is he the best dunker yeah, ever to win it? I did a little bit of everything. Be the best. I even tried to have a guy under me so I could do the the, the list of blisters. I wanted everything. <laughs> I, I had this guy, okay. he weighed about 300 pounds. He had about 300 pounds. And he, granted, you know, this was nothing but a Nerf basketball who just tacked up on a wall somewhere. So, mind you, I, you know, I don't want to confuse him whether this was an actual court. But... <laughs> You know, we had it up high enough where I could get up, and you know, and I had this guy like 300 pounds. And I said, "Look, just stand here, and, and you know, just let me do what I'm going to do. And if I run into you, just fall down." So I had the whole gimmick set up, and, and that was like my list of blister, and you know, the whole just the whole thing. It was just a little bit of everything, but yeah, that was our thing coming in as freshmen. You know, we were all on the Sean Kemp bandwagon, and Sean Kent was really doing some amazing things. I mean, for a guy that height, he just really made it look so easy. And the dunk was so much better coming from a, a smaller guy. But Kemp just had so much extra to it to where it was like, you know what? You know, just let him do what he does. So that's that's my claim to fame as the, as the Nerve Dorm Slam Dunk Champion. And that was actually pretty good in wiffle ball, too. I leave that out. Oh, okay. Hey, All right. man, I got a main curve. Got a main curve, man. Main <laughs> curve and a main change up. But, but, but I digress. I'm, I'm I'm back to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had to ask you. I had to ask you that, man. Um, no doubt. But we definitely, definitely appreciate y'all taking the time to come on with us. We got nothing but respect from both of y'all from my end, and, and thank y'all so much. Same. All the know. Same here, brothers. Same here. Yeah, same here, y'all. And we yeah, certainly appreciate definitely. it. Yeah, yes, we, sir. hey, any, any opportunity I get to speak, especially in another state, and just to have someone else here where we're coming from and just to spread the knowledge and and, and all of that, you know, it's always a pleasure. It's a gift. And I always say, you know, I write for history, not just for my son, but for our sons. You know, and, you know, pretty much the model of the starting farm is just to change the narrative. And, you know, we we live to do that. And um, that's what we'll always be about. It's about changing the narrative and just giving somebody an alternative look 
at what they're already being shown. And um, mm. that's it. That's what we do. Hey, man, that's, that's powerful stuff. And, and we definitely appreciate it. Taking your time to enlighten us on it and let our listeners hear it. And uh, everybody needs to go and read it as well. And hey, we definitely appreciate it. Yeah, people in the Creekia fan base right now, when you when you see something on TV, read something. Implore you to check more on that topic. Go to other sites. Go to other shows and try to get an objective opinion before you speak it. Right now with social media, and you know, I mean, I, I, I got to be critical of fans. You know, y'all don't know more than we do. This is what we do every day. And it's not that we're reporting on stories currently. We're reporting from a perspective that's historical. So everything that has fell into place, that brings us to now is all relevant. If you think Michael Jordan is just the best player of all time, and you don't want to look back at Wolf Chamberlain and his whole era, then you are serving yourself in an ill manner. Just be mm-hmm. smart about it. Go out there and make sure you have a well-rounded opinion before you speak it. Please. So, all right, I'll start ranting. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> We, we we all about it on this show. This is what it's all about. If you don't get a soapbox yeah. moment in, you have not been on the show. That's yeah, right. Yeah. You know, just, just dig a little deeper. You know, when you see something, dig a little deeper. And really, that's all it is. You know, when you want to get to the truth of something, if it doesn't sound right, you know, you go fish a fair information. And that's all you mm-hmm. When it comes to sports, you hear something, you know, 25, 30 years old, you know, your life started and ended with Michael Jordan. Dig a little deeper. Right. It, it, it's deeper than Michael Jordan. It's deeper than Magic. Mm-hmm. Deeper than Isaiah. Deeper than Bird. Dig a little deeper. You won't be disappointed. You'll be quite impressed. You'll be quite Definitely. impressed. And, you know, really that's the whole thing is as far as your fandom goes. And, and, and I say that because that's how I learned. That's how I learned. You know, as a kid, I grew up as a Steelers fan. Had to dig deeper than me and Joe Green. Deacon Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Deacon Jones. Deacon Jones is the be all the end all. I ended up watching Reggie White for his whole career. So, you know, there's, 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 you know, ebbs and flows to this thing. And, you know, just dig a little deeper. Do some research. There's nothing wrong with that. And, um, you know, you'll get what you're looking for, and you'll get a better appreciation of the sport and the person and just the people involved. I, I promise you. I promise you. Well said. Absolutely the case. We can't thank you all enough. And uh, appreciate the time that you all go. Devoted to come to our show, and we're always honored to have y'all. Hey, always honored to be on. Always honored to be on. Hey, y'all, we really really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. All right. Appreciate it. Michael Tillery right, and Ron Glover. Thank y'all so much, gentlemen. All 
All right. Much love, Kentucky. Yeah, Shout out to Super Much love, Kentucky. Yeah, y'all are absolutely. Let us know when y'all come through, too. Hey, whenever I'm in, I'm not going to be like my man, uh, Marvin Barnes, and say I ain't getting a little time machine because I'm not catching the plane to Louisville. I'm coming. (laughs) I'm going to go maybe somewhere somewhere in that Eastern time zone, maybe Lexington or somewhere close by like that. Well, I'll be driving. Next time we're on, you know what I mean, I would tell y'all a story about me driving from uh, through Wolf County from North Carolina <laughs> to Kentucky. All right? The okay. moment of my life for 700 miles. Hey, <laughs> some of us, I, haven't even heard this, I haven't even heard this story, so I'm waiting for that. <laughs> I, I, I was glad when we landed in Lexington and I saw the first brother I've seen in 700 miles. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, we got to hear. We got to hear all that. Yeah, that yeah. time for sure. Yeah, got to hear it. All right, guys. Thank hey, you. Hey, man. Love you guys. Appreciate y'all. We'll be in touch. All right. All right. Mike, Mike Artillery and Ron Glover. And when they come back, Got the Wolf County story with Ron driving the Lexington. So, yeah, we'll definitely hold him to that for sure, TV. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Man, um, <clears throat> young Lakers, you know, like we talked about, got Lonzo Ball. Got a question for you as far as the, the press conference. And I got a question for, for you. They, they gave up, you know, Timothy Mosgoff a player with championship experience that was on the roster. But the press conference that <laughs> when, they, when they welcomed Lonzo, you know, Magic and Lonzo on the podium, and, you know, everybody's making a big deal. Did Magic put too much pressure on him when he pointed up to the, jer- the Raptors and said, we want to see a ball jersey there? I'm, I'm not even worried about that because, you know, Lonzo knows living in L.A. what the expectations are. <laughs> My thing was, Magic didn't really sound convincing to me. Like, like they drafted him, but I don't even know if they're convinced that he's the guy. And Magic is saying, look, leave a few records for me. But it was all just kind of melancholy. Was, was I wrong about that, or did you catch that vibe too, you know, being a diehard Lakers fan? I, I think it was a situation they almost had to draft ball. And being a local kid, CLA, I think the Lakers' hands were kind of tied, to be honest with you, uh, with with him not even working out for other teams and all that. And, again, you know, with the Lakers, are the same boat as the Knicks. Uh, as bad as they have been over the past couple of seasons, and they've been bad, they're still must-see TV. <laughs> You know, there's still Jack Nicholson's going to be in the crowd, so it's it, it's still that. And if any team in the league was going to be able to absorb the the ball sideshow, it was going to be the Lakers. Uh, you know, they uh, again going back to that ESPN 30 for 30. You look back to to Magic's heyday, and and, and even when the Lakers first moved to L.A. 
it was with a concerted effort to bring the stars out to to you know to to make the the, the forum the the place to be. And so the Lakers, uh, I think more so than anybody else, they they can just I think they can absorb that sideshow. I, I don't know. I'm not exactly sold on 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 ball, but that's just uh, I'm probably looking at it through uh, Kentucky. Uh, blue-colored lenses on that. I, I'm just not completely sold. But, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to want uh, my team uh, to, to do well, but I'm just not completely sold on that. As far as the press conference, I've seen bits and pieces, and I just think Magic was trying to uh, – I know he said a lot of kind of grandiose words, but I think he's trying to temper expectations a little bit. Uh, it's hard. It, it, it's like when, when, when the kids come to uh, Lexington and you look at the practice facility, you, you look at your home arena, all you got to do is look up. And uh, the balls know, uh, as a family and, and Lonzo certainly, if you're going to make your mark as a Laker, you're going to be an all-time great. Uh, a lot of other teams you see where they honor guys that have been really good players for their particular team. But when you look at the Lakers, you know, Celtics, uh, if you're going to go up in their rafters, you're, you're an all-time great. And I, I think uh, Lonzo is, is ready to embrace it. Uh, but I just, I, I, man, you know, I, I, as soon as Commissioner uh, Silver said, said his name, I just, I don't know. I'm just not buying into all that right now. And I want to root for the guy. His dad makes it hard to root for him. But, uh, I mean, you know, with anything else, we'll see what happens. But I'm just not – I will not be getting a Lonzo Ball uh, Lakers jersey. I will will tell you that right now. Oh. Oh. So if if he tears it up, this year and next year, then would there be a Lonzo Ball jersey in the TV closet? Uh, of all my jerseys, I've I've got I've got two Lakers jerseys, uh, a gold Kobe twenty four, and I've got a uh, purple uh, Magic that I don't wear because it's painfully small at this point, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. But uh, yeah, I just I, I I don't I don't I don't know. Uh, since Kobe's retired, I'm kind of without a dude in the NBA right now. I need to find a guy to kind of be my guy. But uh, I I'm not I'm not right I'm not Team Lonzo uh, right now. Mm. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Just a few minutes left with anything that. Goes over. You can catch it at blogtalkradio.com slash cat talks. I saw the tweets where it was the Drake plus Screech from Saved by the Bell equals Lonzo Ball was hilarious. Uh, you had, you know, Screech with high hair. You kind of you would have mixed the two. Screech <laughs> basically saying Lonzo looked like a combination of both of them. I thought that was hilarious. I think it was Space Sports Center that tweeted that out. Um, yeah, it got yeah. some retread, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, your Lakers also in in working out this trade. Um, 
to get rid of D'Angelo Russell and all that and Moskov, they got Brooke Lopez in return. And the thing that jumped out to me, I mean, been in the league for a while. Uh, his brother Robin plays in Portland. Remember both at Stanford. But I had no idea that Brooke Lopez was the all-time leading scorer in net history. I had no idea. So that made me have to just go to basketballreference.com and pull up their all-time leading scores. I'm like, because, you know, my first thought, I never would have thought Brooke Lopez would be leading, you know, the Nixon scoring. Uh, of course, remember Vince Carter was there. Kerry Kittles was there back in the day. Um, off the court issues, but if you go way back in the day when we were little, Michael Ray Richardson was there with the Nets, and, he, you know, had he been able to have a, a long career, he probably would have been high on the list. And tragically, if Drazen Petrovic doesn't pass away, he might be on the list as well. So I looked up the new scores for the Nets, and, of course, number one is Brooke Lopez, 10,444 points, which he just achieved that this year because he's only four points ahead of number two, and that is Buck Williams, 10,440 points. I forgot about Buck Williams playing there. He's, like, all over the Nets' leading uh, statistics, you know, in pretty much every category is Buck Williams. Number three, Vince Carter. Four, Richard Jefferson. Five, Jason Kidd. Six, John Williamson. Seven, Dr. J. Eight, Kerry Hill. Nine, Derek Coleman. And ten, Chris Morris. So I just thought, you know, that's, that's pretty interesting. Let's see who he has passed up to be the next all-time leading scorer. But he will be the starting center for your Los Angeles Lakers. And I, I saw the same thing, and I said to myself, I think I said this to my friends, is there, if you look, go franchise by franchise, is there a least impressive, is there a, a, a less impressive, I should say, list of all-time leading scores if you were to go franchise by franchise? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head each franchise's leading score, but I'd have to say that, Wow, that that's that's wow. Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, there's some folks on there that I know, but you're just like, okay, uh, that you know that that's not a a murderer's row list right there. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're well, glad I, to have I mean, the, the Nets all-time leading scorer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I mean, mean, come on, of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, he leads the Nets in scoring. Kareem leads the Lakers in scoring. I mean, they're so comparable. They're so equal. Well, and it's not only that, but it's just the list itself. They're really, really good players. I don't mean to knock those guys. But it's like looking, <laughs> if you were to look at, like, you know, your Dallas Cowboys all-time leading rusher for the Cowboys. I mean, that's a that's going to be a pretty darn good list of guys. That's that's Hall of Famers yeah. on top of Hall of Famers. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, that 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 is where I'm coming from with that. It's just it's a list where you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and you think that the, the Nets, for the most part, haven't been – they've been kind of an afterthought for a big chunk of our lifetime. I mean, they've had some good teams. I know they made the back-to-back finals, but, but nothing where you're just like, wow. 
And the simple yeah. fact you said Vince Carter's name on their all-time leading score list, and I actually have forgotten that he played for the Nets. To be honest, yeah. I mean, it, it's just like he played for the Raptors, and oh look, he's in Memphis now. I think he played at uh, uh, Dallas for a little bit, and yeah, you just yeah. You, you forget. But yeah, that's 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 an impressive, hard-hitting list. Oh yeah, absolutely. So. I have to throw that out there real quick. Um, next week, man, I'll just go ahead and tease and throw a little music out there. I found a little list. I'm not huge as far as the 80s are concerned. We already talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, I picked the 70s and the 90s over the 80s for breaking decade. But a list of 30 songs that, you know, music 30 to 30. 30 songs that turn 30 years old and to go through those next week and no doubt we'll know the bulk of them, and you can kind of kick that around as well. Uh, I also got to say congratulations to the Florida Gators. It was an all-SEC college baseball World Series, Florida and LSU. When LSU makes it to the championship round, it was an all-SEC type deal. It hasn't really worked out for them because we saw, you know, in Alabama, and LSU played in the national championship game of football. Alabama won that. Um I don't think LSU can cross the 50-yard line. And then when they played later on in basketball, every time Alabama's point guard would cross half court, I mean LSU's point guard cross half court, the Alabama fans would cheer, you know, mockingly since they couldn't cross the 50-yard line in the football game. Uh, and then Florida sweeps them in baseball last night, two games to none. So now they get a baseball title to go with their football and basketball titles. But – it just goes to our point. We talked about it all season with the good season Kentucky had in baseball, how impressive it is to do that in the SEC, in the northernmost school where it's still cold, and, you know, Florida and LSU and Georgia and all those teams, South Carolina are already kind of getting a jump on you with the advantageous weather. Um, you've referenced many times LSU. You in, On campus, you walked out and saw LSU buses, and it was the – baseball crowd for, you know, LSU traveling to Lexington for a baseball series. LSU won the SEC tournament in baseball, and it was the 12th time that they had done that. So they're kind of like Kentucky, you know, is in basketball. You know, LSU with 12 SEC tournament titles in baseball, you know, and Kentucky with 511 in basketball. But LSU is like the Kentucky of the SEC in baseball. But congrats to both of them for making it, and congrats to Florida for uh, getting the win there. And Mitchell said last week, too, congrats to Neil Price. He's no longer going to be the voice of Kentucky baseball and women's basketball, but everybody knows he is now going to be the football and basketball voice for Mississippi State. So we got to wish him well there. Cool thing about Neil, he is from where I live right here, down in Morristown, Tennessee. That's where Neil was born and raised. He went to Morristown East High School, where my wife went to school. That's also the same high school as Randy Sanders, who was the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach in the U.K., when Kentucky knocked off Tennessee back in 2011. Um, my buddy, uh, Tony Wallace, who I went to the baseball game with, big Tennessee fan, played for Morristown East, and Neil Price, was the voice doing high school games back when my buddy Tony was playing football for Morristown East. 
Well, congratulations to uh, to Neil, and he's from right here. Uh, with Randy Sanders, so I wish him well down Mississippi State too. Yeah, lots lots going on, and and just keep in mind with baseball, you know, we kind of talked about that with the great season Kentucky had, and they were competitive uh, with LSU and with Florida. So uh, as I have come to say, the gap is is there, uh, but it's probably not as wide as we've been led to believe when it comes to uh, Kentucky baseball. So a great run. Uh, the Cats finished, and we need to get this out, finished 11th in the Director's Cup standing. It's highest ranking ever for uh, for that total complete athletic program. So that is fantastic. You know, we had Dwayne Peavy on the show a couple of years ago talk about that's been the goal. That has been Mitch's goal mm-hmm. to be a complete uh, athletic department and compete for championships, which they have done. Uh, so yeah. uh, very, very exciting times for Kentucky athletics. Absolutely. Absolutely. So congrats to Mitch Barnhart, Glenn TV, and everyone involved at UK to help make that happen. All the coaches working with the athletic department to make that happen. Um, you know, they're getting those results that they talked about. So congratulations to them. Um, and congratulations, like I said, to Florida and to Neil Price. Uh, and as a matter of fact, when I was on vacation, you know, Tony and his family, we went together. Because our kids play together, we you know good friends, and we talked about had talked, you know, wondered if Neil would just kind of stay where he was, or because you know Tom Lee to that oh we like fifty five, so we can continue to do what he's doing for years, or like if Tennessee was to make a move, I wonder would he want to come back to Tennessee since he's from there, and there's a lot of Tennessee fans that don't really care for Bob Kessling because he followed their Kaywood Lefford and John Ward. So there's just a lot of fans that just aren't ever going to love him. But the Mississippi State deal comes open, and now Neil's able to do that. So congratulations to him. And uh, we look forward to hearing him. We'll still get to kind of hear him or uh, as far as, you know, Kentucky playing him in basketball, but they're the annual rival in football. So uh, he'll still get to call one Kentucky game a year, one at Kroger Field, it'll alternate between the two venues like it always does. So uh, looking forward to that. It'll be SEC media day soon. We'll be talking about football soon. Um, it's a little bit slow. You know, our baseball teams are struggling a little bit. Um, but we'll still have a lot of fun stuff to talk about um, in the weeks coming forward. Yeah, so have a good night to you. Appreciate everything. Um, and also congratulations to Cameron Mills. He had a really, really on this serious show Sunday, uh, we had Rex Chapman on, had Daryl McCoy on from the David and Daryl show in Southeast Kentucky, and they just put a lot of stuff out there about some uh, tough times they've been through. Uh, but it was it was very honest, and they were uh, very revealing and forthcoming. And so you might want to check that out as well. So congratulations oh, yeah, to having a great show. That's one of those moments you don't want to stick to sports. There's real life issues out there, and, and Rex, I know he kind of uh, fell out with with a few folks in the Big Blue Nation, and and and. But you have to, and, and my dad told me this: you have to respect a man that will publicly own up 
to his shortcomings and, and, and change his way. And, and, and Rex has done that. Uh, he has spoken yeah. up and lent his name, which you touched on earlier, uh, is a big name in Kentucky, obviously, uh, to an ongoing issue that really affects us all. So uh, definitely a great listen to. It's sobering. It is it's 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 one of those things where it's just yeah you got you got to hear it and 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 whatnot so uh, yeah yeah definitely want to listen to that yeah most most downloaded show ever so he broke records with that show this past Sunday night so uh, congratulations on that and they did a great job uh, you always do a great job and always appreciate you hopping on the show. Uh, I think the little 30 for 30, your music 30 for 30 will be fun. It's whatever else we pop into uh, after the long weekend will be fun as well. So be safe and have a lot of fun. And look forward to how that you next Wednesday. That's right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank our guests. And thank you, Vinny. That's right. Thanks to Michael Tilly and Ron Glover, former man Terry T.V. Brown. This is Vinny Hardy. We'll see you all next time on Cast Talk Wednesday, Rowdy Hardy Radio Network. BlogTalkRadio.com. Okay, yeah.